This is Journey Church Podcast. Here at Journey, we believe in encountering God and embracing people. From wherever you're listening, we hope you are encouraged by this week's message. Well, good morning, everyone. So glad that you're with us this morning. Um, We are in our fifth week in a series called Movement, where we're exploring the book of Acts. And you can't really talk about the book of Acts without talking about miracles that have taken place in the book of Acts. It would be like scrubbing, if you, if you scrub the miracles out of the book of Acts, you would have a few paragraphs, a few sentences. And so um, we, we knew that when we were uh, dealing with this book that we had to talk about this. Now, miracles are somewhat of a touchy subject in some ways. Now, in some ways, they've become part of our vernacular, right? Like, like if you have a teenage son or daughter, if they get up in the morning at a reasonable time, we use words like, it's a miracle. Or like if you um, go to Costco and your kids say, wow, you've gotten a lot of really good food. Those exact words are a Christmas miracle. There is a new saying that kids have, if you have kids, I'm sorry if you don't, this this is maybe your future. Um, They say things like, we are an ingredient house. Has anybody else heard this? It's evil. Yes, if you have teenagers, you've heard this. It's an ingredient house. What is that? Because ingredients are what make food. I don't, it's a negative thing, by the way, when someone says you have an ingredient house. To me, it feels like what you're saying is I'm basically like, an HGTV person. Anyways, there's a lot of ways that we use the word miracle. We use it kind of in a just ubiquitous way. The the miracles that were done in the book of Acts, though, were anything but ubiquitous. They were miracles that were happening and jaw-dropping kinds of miracles. Um, We're going to look at this first uh, physical miracle done in the book of Acts, found in the Acts chapter 3. And this is the first post-Jesus physical healing that takes place. And it involves Peter and John healing a guy. And uh, physical healing, by the way, frequently takes place in the book of Acts. um, 14 times in 12 of 28 chapters. So this is like it's just an ongoing thing. We see this in the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And if we did not have um, the book of Acts, we might say, well, physical healing was just Jesus' thing. That's like something he just did. But then it carries on. And in Acts chapter 3, what you have to, we have to set the sage, stage for this miracle. Peter is kind of the worst. He has just denied Jesus. And... Um, so like that, like it's not like years have gone by since this time. It's like a short period of time. Like think back to the last um, mistake you made. Okay, just it's probably not going to take a lot of brain power to think about that. Like you know, you know that thing that you think about that makes you kind of like sweaty when you think about it. Like you think, oh, I actually did that. I'm so embarrassed. There's a meme going around about like you thought you haven't hit your peak yet. There will be something worse. It's very true. Um, I can think of uh, um, so many things we, could, we wouldn't have time to think about. it. Like the time I stood up in church and my dress fell off. That was a, a true, true Jessica moment. Uh, the time I threw the hymn book out at somebody in the crowd and it almost hit somebody. I wasn't trying to hit them. I'm not a violent person. It was just 
I was using my hands like the Italian I was going to become. <laughs> I will tell you, though, in these kinds of moments, when you do things that are like embarrassing, do you ever have that moment where you're like, what should I do? I inevitably pick the thing that's going to make it more embarrassing. So when I threw the hymn book off the, it was a stage like this in a very conservative church. Everybody's wearing a suit, as am I. And I don't know hymns because I didn't grow up in the church, but I'm trying to be the music pastor and sing a hymn. It's in the wrong key for me. I'm like singing, it's terrible. And I'm sweating and I'm trying to exhort the people of God. And I went, God really wants you. And a a lot of our, our elderly people sat in the first couple rows. That hymn book went flying, and I decided, in the worst possible way, you know what the best thing for me to do in a dress right now would be to get off the stage, go into the pews, and look for the hymnal. I don't know why I thought this would be the best idea. So then the piano player just kept playing the refrain over and over again. And this, my friends, is called Embarrassment 101, because in the middle of it, you're like, this I have not chosen. I have not chosen the right thing to do. Have you ever been there before? Okay, so, so imagine that Peter didn't just throw the hymnal. He, like, he is on record swearing in the Bible. Like it, like it actually got in there, like Peter then cursed. And that was going to, that for, forever, for thousands of years, we were going to read about this. Listen, you have done nothing that should cause that kind of embarrassment, okay? Okay. So Peter then, a couple of chapters later, in Acts chapter 3, says, silver and gold, they're, they're walking, he and John are walking by the gate beautiful, and there is a lame man sitting there. And he hasn't walked for years and years and years, and the guy is asking for money, because in, the, in, the, in that time, uh, it was a financial ruin for you to have a physical ailment. And it really is not much different today. It's not much different today. When you have physical problems and you can't work, it's like a, an unknown group of marginalized people. So he's begging for money. And Peter and John, Peter says, silver and gold, I have I none, but what I have I give to you. Rise up and walk in the name of Jesus. Now the profundity of this is not just that a miracle took place, but that God used Peter to do this miracle is wild. And this is how we know that God is still a God of miracles. Because if it was just Jesus' thing, if it was just, then we wouldn't see any of the disciples because they didn't really, like, I mean, on the scale of, like, how we think about spiritual people, like, I know that this is not true, but we kind of think about it like the real spiritual kind. Like, if you're really spiritual and you have a badge of spirituality, I don't know what the badge looks like, but then you could pray for people and miracles could happen. And God, right at the book of Acts, the beginning of the book of Acts, says, nope, nope, that's not how I'm working. I'm taking the extremely wild person, the person who's sworn in my books, and I'm choosing him. Okay, so um, scholars, most scholars will tell you that the way that the book of Acts is lined up, that this miracle, if you understand this miracle, then it helps you understand all the rest of the books Um, miracles, and so it's a really important one. This miracle shows us how God feels about suffering in the world and what he's doing about it, and what he's saying to us in suffering. This is more than just the miracle itself. Um, So this is what happens. Peter says, rise up and walk in the name of Jesus, and the guy does. 
And then Peter says this, and it's really important that we understand what Peter says after the miracle. Because what he says after the miracle tells us why, why the miracle took place in the first place. So let's read that. You can follow it on the screen. So the guy's jumping and praising the Lord, and then in Acts chapter 12, he says, Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at, at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? Already, Peter, he's reliving that moment like I, I'm not really... And he's saying to the people, listen, it's not because we're super spiritual that this has happened. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he, was, when he had decided to release him. You killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And his name, by faith in his name, he has made this man strong, whom you see and know, and the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. So although Peter is really aware that this man who was lame is now walking, he is making it very clear the reason he is walking is to demonstrate that Jesus was God. This is the point of any miracle. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven had to receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything, as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you, and it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. Um, this miracle points to four things that I want to quickly talk about. Before we talk about that, though, I, I, I want to just say this, that all of us, in one way or another, are in need of a miracle. There's not one of us here that's got all of our ducks lined up and everything perfect. And so I, I want to, uh, just as we begin talking about what this miracle talks about, I, I want to encourage you to, to just ask the Lord, what is the miracle that I'm looking for today, God? And if you're a, a God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, you are a God that did miracles then, you can do a miracle now. I'm praying that faith would arise in the house. Some of you have been carrying that baggage or burden for so long, and I, believe, I really believe that God wants to do a miracle in many people's lives today. Okay, so th the first thing that this miracle, uh, that this miracle shows us is, is sort of an upward idea, God's authentication of Jesus. Peter says, you killed the author of life, but God raised him up from the dead. To this we are witnesses, and his name has made this man strong. Miracles were God's validation of the apostles. Miracles uh, were God's validation of Jesus. And, this, um, and, and miracles continue to be signposts that God is with us. This is how God worked from Genesis to Revelation. Uh, the writer of Hebrews says, Our great salvation was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to by us who heard. God also bearing witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so the real reason God wants to do miracles. I mean, he cares about you, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. But, but the number one reason he wants to do miracles is to remind people that he is real, that he is God that he is alive, that this is not just some religious ritual that we go through on Sunday morning because we all want to feel better about ourselves. 
Like, so, so we can get into this weird, like, religious, like, let's just come to church and we're going to sing a few songs, we're going to listen to somebody talk, hopefully they'll tell a few jokes, and then uh, we'll leave from here and we'll feel better. No, listen, miracles happen because they are attesting to the fact that God is still real, that he is, although we cannot see him, we see signs of him, we see the shape of him. Miracles help us to see the shape of God. Miracles were God's way of saying, this is really me. It was like a divine signature that couldn't be forged. If you have two contradictory opinions about Jesus, you're going to take the one where there's miracles, because that makes sense. Um, You know, true academics. Now, listen, Calgary is the most educated. Do you know that we're the most educated city on the planet? It's true. We can pat ourselves on the back for that or something. Um, Now, true academics logical people. I would sort of put myself in this category. It's easy to get into cynicism, yes? It's easy to get like, and, and partly it's because um, in, the, in history, what people would do is like, before we knew about chemistry or thermodynamics or like science things, we would attribute everything to God. So we'd say things like, well, the sun is just God's, I mean, they have said weird things, so I could just make something up and somebody probably said it. Uh, like the, the earth is flat, the sun is God's face, it's not really, but what, but what happened is we, we came to know that that was just science. Like we know about nuclear fission now, we know about the laws of thermodynamics. And so what I'm not advocating for this, this morning is Everything we do not understand, we just attribute like, oh, that must be God in a miracle. Now, it is at some level a miracle because anything that happens, it's like you, you couldn't make up thermodynamics. You're smart, but not that smart. Uh, I'm not suggesting that we, that we get like that. I am suggesting that we still are rational-minded people who follow. We go from glory to glory. God expands our knowledge. But I am suggesting this morning that there are some things that happen that cannot be attributed to any kind of science. There are some things in this world that we cannot say uh, that happened because of this principle or that principle. For instance, the resurrection of Jesus. And this is what Peter was getting at. Listen, you, you, can't, you can't reason away the resurrection of, um, you can't res- reason away the resurrection The most astounding miracle really is Genesis 1 verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The fact that God himself was interested in us, however you make your brain get there. The fact that God, the God of the universe, like is in existence, means that you believe in miracles. So you have two choices, really. You have two two choices. To be an avowed atheist, like you don't believe in God at all. There's no way you can't even believe in God at all. Or you believe in a God of miracles. Because the very existence, the very fact that God would speak to you, would care about you, tells me that you believe in miracles. Because you're nice. But not that nice. So we don't really have a choice as people. It is not as though we say, I believe in God. Like, it's a bigger miracle that God sees you and loves you and knows every part of you then, I mean, we're talking small beans now when we say, and he can also heal your colon. Yes? So the first miracle that Peter did attested to the fact that God is real. 
that he is authentically God. So let me ask you the same thing Peter asked this group. Have you listened to Jesus? Sky the gate beautiful is lame, and then he becomes healed. And Peter says, are you listening to Jesus? Have you, have you made peace with God? Have you listened to the voice of Jesus? So the miracle points upward to God's authentication of Jesus. It also points forward to future restoration. Peter says in verse 21, uh, he says that this healing is a sign of the coming restoration of all things. Um, Jews would have recognized right away that the healing of the lame man was a fulfillment of Isaiah 35, verse 6, that says, then the lame shall leap like a deer. And um, Isaiah explained that God would send a Messiah to purchase the healing of the whole world. Isaiah 53, verse 5 says, by his wounds we are healed. And through, uh, through his work, all the pain on earth will be reversed. This healing in Acts chapter 3 was a signpost to the fact that God is a God who wants to restore all of our hurts, all of our pain. Isaiah, let me read this verse to you from Isaiah. It says, the lion will lay down with the lamb. This is the future that we have to believe God for. The lion will lay down with the lamb. The infant will play near the cobra's den. And the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on, on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf, deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool and thirsty ground bubbling springs. Look around you and see for all your children will come back to you. I, I want you to see this scripture. It, it is not just talking about like one thing. It's talking about all the things that are wrong being made right. Every single piece of the earth that is wrong. This is what Acts chapter 3 is pointing towards. Your children will come back to you. They will carry your little sons back to you in their arms, and they will bring your daughters on their shoulder. That's, that's the future. That's the future for all of us, all of us who believe in Jesus. And, and we're going to talk about this in a minute. I want to talk about... Uh, questions that people have. Does this mean that every single person will be healed? And I, I would posit it doesn't. But it does mean that at some point, everyone will be healed. It does posit this. It, you know, in Jerusalem at that time, this layman sitting at Gate Beautiful was not the only person. We know that from history, that there were tons of people sitting around. This was a way of life for people that were um, not well. And Peter and John chose to bring healing to that. And by the way, uh, just if you study that scripture, you realize that there is nothing that that man did except for ask for money, which is what everybody else would have been doing too. You see, not only did the apostles' miracles point upward, showing God's authentication of their message, it pointed forward to the kind of restoration Jesus wants to bring to the whole world. Je Jesus' miracles were not just um, powerful magician shows to show how powerful he was. Do you ever think about this? Like, why did Jesus, like, he did heal people, but why? It, to show his power, to show his glory? Yes, but why? Because if he really just wanted to show his power and his glory, you know what he could have done? Could have taken his finger and written in the sky, I'm Jesus, I'm the best. Uh, he could have written, I'm no one like me, I'm better than the rest. I was a rapper in the 80s. Um, he could have, uh, 
He could have um, just made financial miracles. I mean, for some of us, that would be excellent. He could have just, I mean, there's a million things. He could have given you all a unicorn. Everybody who comes to Jesus gets a unicorn. That would be weird, but he could have done that. But instead, he chose to alleviate suffering and pain in people's lives. This tells us something about the character of God. Jesus' miracles always, always alleviated suffering. Jesus' miracles did not show off the naked fact of his power. They revealed the redemptive purpose of his power. He healed leprosy, cured blindness, stopped storms, raised the dead. These miracles show us that God is no happier with the world the way it is than you and I. It's not like God is saying to you in your pain and suffering, hey, keep a stiff upper lip. You're going to make it through. The fact that Jesus came and brought healing to this man shows that God himself is interested and is burdened with your suffering as well. God did not create the world with pain or blindness or disease or death. That all came through the corruption of sin. Now, when I say that, what I am not saying is it's personal sin. When we talk about sin, we just talk about the brokenness of the world. Um, Maybe you've heard this before. Miracles are not a suspension of the natural order. Er, Sorry, miracles are not a suspension of the natural order, but a return to the natural order. God's will for all of our lives is that we would live without suffering. People, people get into a very weird theology when they say things. Now, now listen to me. God will use anything. So he'll use your stubbed toe. He's going to use your brokenness. I mean, he's good like that. But he, he's not in heaven going, you know what? You know what? I think what that person really needs is a punch in the head. I'm going to give them a punch in the head and things are going to be, he'll use that you made a dumb decision and got yourself punched in the head. He's going to use it because he's good. But his will for your life is not pain and suffering. He's not a God who is like, because if we take that to its philosophical end, then we're serving a God who's like a little bit like gross. Like psychology doesn't support this kind of a God. God will use it, but he does not want you to have it. To those of you in pain, Acts chapter 3 is a reminder that all of this is temporary. And that is really, really important for all of us in pain. What's hard is when we talk about miracles. I've read this text a hundred times this week. I was really thinking about all the other people sitting around. Like, what happened to them? Like, I'm sure, you know when you're happy for someone, but you're, you can't admit it, but you're like, mm, why, did, why did God choose you and not me? You know there were people thinking that. But this was not supposed to be our suspension of, in some ways as Christians, we have to live with the end in mind. The time, the time is sort of a, um, like a construct we have. Do you know when your kids are small and summer seems very long, but then when your kids get big, sorry, my daughter's calling me while I'm preaching. That would have been weird. But then as time goes on, you realize the older you get, time goes faster and faster. How many of you think that, like, can you believe we're almost in July? That means we're all getting old. 
Those of you that say, yeah, because every year goes faster, yes, every year goes faster. Your pain right now, Acts chapter 3, is a, is, an, is a push to the fact that God will restore all things. That at some point, the pain that you're experiencing right now, you will no longer experience. And this is what Peter's talking about. That, that, that this is a re- future, we're, we're believing for future restoration. That the man at the gate beautiful who was healed and jumped up and praised God is a reminder that at some point, all of us will do that. All of us will do that. The third thing it leads us to is, an in, is inward, to our soul's needs, need of salvation. The, the physical ailments of some point um, are, are important. But listen, you could have all your physical ailments figured out, and have a body in tip-top condition, and you know you can still feel like broken. And I've met people whose bodies were broken, but whose spirits were alive. And I, I, I would say that if I had a choice, that's where I'd want to live. And Jesus always pointed to that. He, he healed people physically, but, but basically it was a sign. Like he was saying things like, hey, listen, is it easier to say your sins are forgiven? Or is it easier to say, like, get up and walk? So I'm going to show you that I'm going to heal you on the inside, and the, 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 the evidence of that is that you're going to be able to get up and walk. And Jesus says to all of us, I have the power to transform, to bring a miracle to your inside. And some of us are in, a, in need of a huge miracle on the inside. Because the truth is, we know, we know when we're broken, yes? Do you know when you make decisions and you think to yourself, I don't know why I keep making that decision. Why do I keep making that decision? What is wrong with me? We need Jesus. We're in need of healing on the inside. And this is why healing is not just a one-time event. Some of you had God come and meet you powerfully in 1997. And now it's 2023, and you got other stuff that is God. Like, if we only need healing once, let me uh, equate it to your car. I just had a giant car bill. It's great. My car works now. I can go on the stony trail and not feel like I'm going to injure anybody. But I am well aware that that one-time mechanic bill is not going to cut it. Like, if I drive that car for 20 more years, which I pray to the Lord we will be able to drive for 20 more years, I recognize that I'm going to have to take the car into the mechanic because it keeps breaking because we live in a broken world. You are like my car. You are going to keep breaking. And it's okay. You're just a human living in a broken world. This is why we're all in need of a miracle. Like, so God met you in 1997. Wonderful. But you got a transmission issue now that you got to deal with because you are breaking down in front of everybody else and you're causing havoc. If you, if you don't actually get God to come and do a miracle in your life, what you're doing is spewing all your bad fumes like the environment police want to get you. We're in need of constant maintenance because we're people. Some of us are so surprised. Like we're saying things like, I don't really know if God's real because he did meet me once when I went to youth camp as a teenager. But like now I haven't, I don't know, since then nothing. I don't, yeah, because you haven't put yourself in a position to say, yes, God, 
I need a miracle. Some of us just need to swallow our pride and be able to say, yeah, God, I need a miracle on my insides. I need a miracle that's going to transform my life today. I, I'm not going to be afraid of that. I'm not going to pretend I have it all together. I'm just, and, and some of us, listen, are just in need of like a, a mere, ma- do you know, if you get a maintenance, if you maintain your car, it's going to go further longer. Some of us, we've just been the worst at maintenance. You never get a personal oil change. You never, like, put yourself in a position to actually be changed or transformed. We, this is why every week when we have the prayer team, we say, come forward. And a lot of us just think, well, I'm fine. Everything's good. I'm really going good. But this is, this is why we've got to pray with one another. This is why we've got to come. We've got to storm the gates of heaven and say, God, I, I'm old. And the old, listen, the older you are, the more work you need. This is true of cars. This is true of bodies. This is true of, this is just true. <laughs> this is why we got to keep teachable spirits, though. What, what happens to us, though, in religious settings is we just think, well, I've been walking with the Lord for 45 years. I should know better. Your car should know better, too, but it doesn't. We put ourselves in a position, then, to receive a miracle from God, to say to God, yes, I love you. And if you're young, you need to get in the habit of putting yourself in a position to say, God, I need you to come. And, like, like don't wait till you've been in a bad habit in a bad place for 30 years. Then it leads me to this, the, the downward and the direction we're supposed to go in our mission. So the thing is, you would think, like if we're going to like do a little like, remember those um, make your, build your own story that you would read as a child and then you could decide how the story was going to end. If I'm ending this story, I'm thinking there's a guy who was lame. Now he's like walking around, dancing. I don't know, maybe he's a bad dancer, but who cares? He's like up and around. I'm thinking they're like, ah, Peter and John, you're the best. You're so spiritual and amazing. Can we buy you a steak dinner at the keg? No. This is not what happens, everyone. It's the opposite. Um, there was no reward, no praise, no CNN uh, interview, no, ma- no Time Magazine, Man of the Year. There's nothing. Um, a little bit of bad news from Acts going forward, everyone. The miracles in Acts always get the miracle worker in trouble. Always. Uh, this is the story of Acts. Every single one of the apostles was killed. I'm just telling you that just in case you were excited about having a career as a televangelist. It's a little bit, di- the book of Acts is a little bit, di- it's a little bit different than how we see it right now. Didn't get anybody, I mean, in this world, it didn't get Peter and John any Instagram followers. Um, when God gives you power, it makes you vulnerable. This is just very true. A, a, a power comes on you, and it is inevitably scripturally. I mean, I can't, I wish that I could tell you it was another way, but inevitably it leads to suffering. Now, I know this doesn't, I know this doesn't make anyone else say, sign me up then. You know what I want to do? Join the prayer team. That is exactly what I want to do. But there is something bigger. See, this is why this miracle was not just about this man, lame man, being healed. It's bigger than that. When God does a sign or a wonder or a miracle, it's bigger than just the actual miracle. It actually means that all of life becomes more important. Everything becomes, and the things that we think are important are maybe not as important as we think they are. This was true of Jesus' ministry. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. I mean, when was the last time you had a friend who raised somebody from the dead? 
And um, then the scripture is, and this is probably not anybody's life verse, but the scripture is, from that point on, they determined to kill him. What? Lazarus comes alive. He comes out in his mummy clothes, like very wild. Then he's eating dinner, and then they determined to kill him. Great. When Jesus healed the woman with the issue of blood who came up behind him and grabbed his garment, the power went out of him. Um, This is actually a really good picture of what happens when we pray for people for miracles. We're actually allowing power to go out from us. This means something. This is why it's no small... This is why we can't take lightly when we say to each other, you know what, I'll pray for you. It's like a Christian greeting, like, hey, how are you? Oh, things are not going so well. Oh, I'll pray for you. And then, like, we don't really remember. We're actually saying in the spirit realm, I'm willing to give out some of the power that the Lord has given me to you. It's an act of service. We cannot take that lightly. We can't say things like glibly like that. The healing of the world will come through the sacrificial death of the church. Which sounds tweetable until you remember that you are the church. There's someone you need to forgive and it's really going to cost you. But God is going to bring life to others through that sacrificial act of forgiving. That's a miracle. There's someone you need to pray for and that's going to cost you something. Some sacrifice you need to make, it's not going to be easy. Peter and John could have gone, listen, they could have just minded their business. The guy's asking for money. Sorry, I don't have any money. Kept walking. And and I would suggest that had they done that, probably people wouldn't have wanted to try to kill them as much. But this is really important for us to understand Listen, I I want our church to be a church of miracles, where miracles take place, where people come and find healing and restoration. I want us to understand, though, the cost of that. I don't want us to say, and it'll be so, it will be amazing. People will be jumping and leaping and praising God. But that kind of, that we we have to determine, that, that doesn't just come. We have to determine, yes, yes to the cost of that. Yes, to the co- there was always a cost in the book of Acts. I, I would be preaching a, a, heretic, a heretical gospel to tell you that miracles are going to come and it's going to be... No, it's not how it works. Because if miracles are true and God is working, then there's going to be people that will have to reconcile, like, okay, I just don't want to even reconcile that God is real. Do you see how that works? Okay, now that's, it's not all awful, because did you notice that Peter and John were not like, oh, woe is us, this is the worst, we should never have prayed for these people. Jesus said, I came to give you abundant life, and life more abundantly. Even in the middle of that kind of suffering, God squares the shoulders back, and they're like, you can't, like all throughout the book of Acts, Peter is like this guy that just basically says, you can't shut me up, you can try, but you can't. He lives with extraordinary uh, courage, because he knows that to live is Christ, to die is gain. There's this weird thing that the enemy gets us, like, he, he tricks us into apathy, thinking, oh, it'd be way better if we just, like, didn't live too much on the edge. Just, like, live a little bit safe so that people don't think you're too weird. 
And then we get tricked because 20 years from now, we've lived this like apathetic Christian life when we could have been living in like all, all of the goodness of God. Yeah, it'll be hard, but it'll be so worth it in the end. Okay, I, I want to answer some questions about healing because I think uh, this, these are really important for us to uh, get a handle on. So the first one is this, does God still heal today? And I, I believe emphatically, yes, God does. There's nowhere in scripture. So now I have lots of friends who are cessationists. Cessationists are people that believe that miracles stopped when the New Testament stopped. I, I do not, so I want you to hear, if you come from a background like this, I am in no way saying you don't know Jesus or you're not a Christian or... I just don't see from scripture anywhere that we can find where God said, listen, I'm done doing miracles now, turned off the taps. And I, I, I would, in fact, on the other hand, say Jesus saying, whatsoever you ask for and believe in my name, I will give it to you. Ask, seek, knock. Uh, he, he does ask, and he didn't just say, to, until the year A.D. 33. No, it was like these emphatic statements. So I, I do believe God heals today. I don't think he would have asked us. Uh, to ask him if he was like, no, and that's done, because that would be mean. Okay, so why does God heal? A couple of reasons God's healed, God heals, and we've talked about that as an act of love and mercy to a person who's suffering. This absolutely was about the man at the gate beautiful. God saw him and loved him. Um, as a validation of his servants, yes. Um, as a sign of the coming kingdom of God. Listen, Jesus talked about this all the time, that, that his kingdom, we would pray that his kingdom would come Part of the way that his kingdom comes is through miracles. As a witness to non-Christians, listen, you have friends and I have friends. That a miracle started happening, they would be like in. How can I join, how can I join up to this Jesus? Yes? Okay. And, and to motivate Christians to worship. You know what's funny is that God knows how we are. He knows that some weeks you come in here, or some weeks you turn worship music on, you're like... But if God did a miracle in your life, do you know how easy it would be to worship? Think about the worst problem you're dealing with right now, the worst. Okay, so there it is, there it is, there it is. God does a miracle. Do you know what's going to be easy to do? Worship in that moment. So in some ways, he knows how naturally weak we are. He does these miracles. He's gracious. Does he need to? Absolutely not. Does he need to? No, but he does. This is the kind of God, even when we're the worst. Look, look at the children of Israel. We just yell at them all the time that they were the worst. You are just like them. I am just like them. He just kept doing miracles. He's a good God. He's a good God. Um, okay, should healings in the one, like the one in Acts 3, be our everyday expectation? Okay, so uh, I, I want to say to this, yes, absolutely, and also No. Uh, so so on, on the yes part, I, I want to say that I, I believe God does miracles and we need to believe him for miracles. Listen, he didn't put a caveat into scripture saying, you know, just like it's all up to you. Our job is to ask him. His job is to do the work. Now, I would, I would say no because not everybody, not everybody in Jerusalem was healed. We know this to be true historically. If God intended for everybody to be healed, we would have seen Acts um, 
like everybody, be, it would have said in the scripture, and everybody in the entire Jerusalem area, now by the way, Jerusalem was only 40,000 people at the time. It wasn't millions. 40,000. And we know from scripture that not everybody was healed. Now, what's hard is philosophically we ask, well, why did this guy get healed? And the answer is, I don't know. I, I do know I have been around circles like this enough to know that what's difficult is that we sometimes turn it into like um, we try to figure out the we try to figure out the formula. So like this guy got healed. Like I've heard weird teaching. This guy got healed because he was like willing to ask Peter and John for money and the other people. Well, we don't know that's true. And and that puts people in places of shame if they don't get healed. When my brother was uh, killed in an accident, he he stayed alive for six days, and we had hundreds hundreds of people in the hospital praying for him, thousands of people praying around the world for him. I was sure. I had enough faith. When they rolled his casket up to the front of our church, thousands of young people were in our church that day. I was sure my brother was going to get out of the casket. I had faith, and we buried my brother 20-odd years ago, 25 years ago. I can't tell you why. What happens, though, is if we're not careful, we put people in places of shame. Oh, they didn't have enough faith. Oh, they didn't pray the right magical Jesus. Then it gets into incantations and magic. This is not the God we serve. I I want nobody to come away from this believing that God is like some jukebox in the sky, and if you pray the right abracadabra prayer, that he is... I I, I do know that I believe both in the miracle-working power of God and the sovereignty of our God. And we we don't... I don't claim to understand it, but what I do know, somebody asked me this after my brother died, and we'd spent days in the hospital praying and worshiping, and in some ways it was like, it's like some of the best, worst memories of my life. Someone asked me, well, would you do something, like, would you have done something different? And I don't see scripturally how I had a different choice, because God just said, ask. Ask with faith and believe that I can do it. I I wouldn't have done a thing different. I would have asked for a miracle. I would have believed God for a miracle. And then I'm leaving the results to God. Yes? Because that doesn't put people in shame. If God chooses not to heal, then then you can go, okay. Well, we asked. We believed. And we're going to leave the results to him. Yes? None of us are miracle workers. He is the miracle worker. It is not you doing the healing it is God doing the healing. Now, I would say this, on the, other, on the other spectrum, we ride right into cessationism saying, well, I'm not even asking. And that, my friends, is fear. Because we're afraid. That what if God says no, so I won't ask? Do you know, little kids understand, this is why Jesus said we have to be little kids. My kids are afraid to ask me for nothing, ever. Never. They don't, they don't, they don't worry that I'm going to say no. They don't worry that I am going to just, no. And if I do say no, okay, well, then we're going to deal with that. But you're, little kids never worry. Do you remember when you had little kids and they just ask you, can I have 20 bucks? For, for what? Living. For living? You get $20 for living and they ask you for insane things. This is why you don't take them to Costco because they want those, those panda cookies with the chocolate in them that are not good for anything they're not afraid to ask you for a $7 mocha and to go to all-you-can-eat sushi. They don't think that $45 is too much for you. They don't care. 
Now, if I, the parents, say no, well, that's like, that's what it is. But you know, more often than not, when my children ask me for things, I don't know. We're good parents. We love our kids. And so if it's not unreasonable, like a car at age 14, then uh, we say yes. If we can do it, we say yes. Your kids are not doing acrobats going like, if I say no and my parents, if I, if I ask and my parents say no, I'll be devastated forever, therefore I won't ask. No! They're like, they're going to ask. They're going to ask and they're going to ask in 14 different ways. I got tricked into a sleepover this week. I don't even believe in sleepovers. I got tricked. I'm not saying we trick God. We don't. But we need to be like little children that say, God, I I need this miracle, and I'm asking you for this miracle. My job is to ask. Your job is to provide. We are the askers. He is the provider. Your sweating is not going to get God's attention more than your ask. Okay. Um, Let me just say this, and this is just for, should hope of supernatural healing ever replace normal medical procedures? Can I just say emphatically no? Uh, There is no evidence of this in the Bible whatsoever. Uh, Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, was a physician. And we never have evidence that people are like, hey, Luke, maybe you should give up your profession. No, he was a physician. We we must walk in wisdom. So we're going to ask God for miracles in a few minutes. And if you are on a medication, let me just say very clearly, continue on that medication. If you, even if you believe God has healed you, you go to your doctor, you get that checked out. Yes. Can we all just say yes? Yes. Yes. Uh, we, we believe that God has given people wisdom to be able to do that. Um, and this is why we pray for people in hospitals. And this is why we have doctors that attend here. And we believe that they are called of God to do the work, that kind of work of God. Sometimes healing comes in different ways. Um, Okay, so uh, w- let me just ask this last one. What, what part of the church's mission should be focused on healing? And uh, I would say this um, is all of it. All of, our, all, of our, um, all of our church should be focused on healing. Our community should say about us, we don't really know if we believe all these crazy people in this church, um, but we thank God that they're here because if not, our taxes would be raised. Uh, like you need counseling we'll help you need job training well this is why our vision this is why we talked about the vision today because I I wanted you to see this idea of living healthy lives is related to healing Uh, you need job training we'll help you need ESL classes we'll help you need a bag of groceries we'll help you need a safe place we'll help you need parenting insights we'll help you need rehabilitation we'll help you need medical care we'll help I mean we're not going to do it all but we're going to help you get there you need community and friendship? will help. This is all healing. So some of you, this is the miracle that you're in need of. I still think the greatest, the greatest miracle most of us are in need of is connection. I, I believe God wants to do miracles. And he, right and surprised by hope, says that evangelism will flourish best when the church, simultaneous to proclaiming the message, gives itself to to works of mercy and beauty, pointing to the love and justice of God and highlighting the glory of creation and the glory of creation yet to be revealed. When we pray for miracles, we are partnering with God in hope and mercy. We're partnering with God in revealing his good creation. He is a good God. 
He, he wants to set up signposts for people along the way. Like Karen, when you, when you were healed last year, I did, that was a signpost for our church. Those of you that maybe haven't read or seen Karen's story, just wave at us, Karen, for a minute. Yeah, there she's waving. Karen was given just like a few months to live. I, I, I went to Karen's house when they put a hospital bed in her living room. We moved your piano. We did all this wild moving. And Karen's healing was a signpost of the authenticity of God's working amongst us. That he's alive. Yes. Now, what, now what's weird about physical healing is that, like, as far as we know, Karen's not going to live forever. Neither are you, neither are me. We're all on a track to a coffin, all of us, right? It's important for us to know this, though. Listen, I know you're laughing, but it's important for us to know this because if we don't get this, then we forget that, like, we just think that it's, like, for us to, like, be on a cruise all of our life. No! Karen, God healed Karen's body not so that she could live forever, but so that people could see that God is real, that Jesus is alive, that he still heals people, that he still works in people's lives. I got an email this week from somebody that said to me, I, my, I, I, and I, I didn't even, I didn't solicit, I didn't ask them, I just sent me an email saying, I want you to know that God healed my finances this year. I, I can't even make sense of the math, but I, I heard the Lord in January say, like, start tithing, and I, I've always been in backdraft, and I could never get a house, and God, God did it all. He did that kind of a miracle in my life. Uh, we heard other miracles this week of God restoring relationships that have been broken apart for 10, 20, 30 years. God is a God of all kinds of miracles. And my, and my uh, hope for you today is that faith would arise in this place, that we would begin to believe God. What is the miracle you need? What is the miracle you need? What is the healing or restoration? Maybe it's healing or restoration in your body. Maybe it is healing or restoration with a family member. Maybe you are calling out that scripture from Isaiah that says your, your sons and your daughters will return to you. Maybe that's the scripture that you're standing on today. I just know that he is a God of miracles. And we are going to be the asker. And he is going to be the deliverer. We are going to be the people that say yes to Jesus. He is the God that's going to do the work. So all the pressure is off us. You just got to go back to your five-year-old self that bugs your mom for a sleepover, even though she said no. <sighs> Pulls up to Starbucks and says, could I have one of those? That this is, this is the kind of faith we need. You've never heard Starbucks faith in a church before. That's what I'm calling you to, Starbucks kind of faith. You don't deserve that, Starbucks. You're seven. But God says, what, what if God said yes, though? Let, let me just, what if God said yes? What if today was your day for a miracle? What if, was, what if today was the day that he said, oh, I was just getting ready. I was just waiting for you to ask. What if everything changed today? I, I want you just for a minute to live in that reality. God said yes. How would your life be changed and different? Now, now listen to me. This would not be the pinnacle. You're still a car. You still got to go in for maintenance. You still got to keep asking the Lord for things. But today, what if God did something amazing in your life today? And instead of just coming to church and, you know, meeting some friends, you, you had a miracle take place in your life. We're going to take communion. Because I think communion is inexplicably tied to the miracles of God. Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, this is the amazing thing about our God, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, 
he broke it and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Can we break this together? Thank you, Jesus, for your body that was broken for us. By your wounds, we are healed. By your wounds, we are healed. By your broken body, we are healed. Can we just take it together? Thank you, Jesus, for your body that was broken for us. We hold the cup up. Listen, this cup represents the shed blood of Jesus. And his blood, the Old Testament, you know if you were here for the series on Leviticus, in the Old Testament, the blood would just cover up, the blood of animals would just cover up people's sins. But Jesus' blood did something totally different. It washed people's sins right away. It took sin as far as the east is from the west. And when we take this cup together to remember Jesus, we remember that not only are our sins taken away, but that he is coming again to restore all things. It is the future hope that we are partaking of together. So Jesus, we thank you for your blood that was shed on Calvary for us. We remember, God, that you are setting things to right that even in this moment, God, you are preparing to set all things to right in our lives. And so we stand and believe and we say yes to that, God. Yes to your good will for our lives. God, may we take it knowing that there is no shame and no condemnation in Jesus' name. Amen. We take that. When we remember what Jesus has done, it changes everything. Everything. I'm going to invite the prayer team to come. And I'm going to invite everybody to stand. If you're here this morning and you're in need of a miracle, I'm going to ask you as the worship team begins to sing that you would not hesitate. I'm going to ask that you would not be worried that your car needs to be taken into the mechanic because God is the good mechanic who is able to heal us. He's able to heal our physical bodies. He's able to transform our lives. He's able to take those deep desires that we have and transform them and make us more like him. As soon as Heather begins to lead us, would you just come? And we're going to believe, listen, we're not going to leave. If you, if you have to go, we're going to release you to go. Um, but we, we won't end until everybody's been prayed for. How many of you are saying, yeah, Jess, I'm, I'm going to believe God for a miracle today. I'm going to believe God for a miracle. Yeah. Come on. Jesus, I pray that your faith would arise in this room today, that we would believe you for supernatural miracles. I pray that you would do what only you can do. I pray that you put faith in our hearts now to believe, uh, like just even bring things to our mind right now that we might have gotten used to living with. Just like whatever that thing may be. Maybe it's not the obvious thing. Like sometimes we're just praying for the obvious thing and God just says, no, I want to do a miracle in this area. God, would you just place those, place those thoughts under our head where, wherever we might need a miracle from you. God, may faith arise in this room. I pray that you would do what only you can do. We will be the kids now. You will be the giver. We be the, we'll be the askers. You'll be the doer. And so God, we just thank you for that. I pray that faith would arise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As Heather begins to sing, would you just come and be prayed for today?
Thank you for joining us today on Journey Church Podcast. For more information about our ministry, visit myjourney.church.